Welcome to the CX Impact Podcast. Speed up your customer experience success. The CX Impact Podcast is brought to you by Gemseek, your trusted analytics advisor, helping you predict what your customers will do next. Hello, everyone. I'm Montreal Blasco, host of the CX Impact Podcast. Today, we will talk about the differences between CX in Europe and the US and how you can increase the impact of your CX program in times of crisis. I'm very excited to have as my guest, Jeff Sheehan. Jeff is a customer experience professional with over 25 years of experience. He has deep skills and expertise in customer engagement, consulting, customer service operations, service sales, digital technology implementation, and leadership. Jeff worked for companies such as Apple, RSM, NCR, and the U.S. Army. In 2018, he moved to Ireland, where he started his own CX consultancy. Jeff, thanks for being on the CX Impact podcast. Oh, my pleasure, Mumchil. Thank you for the invitation. How are you? How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, it's um, looking forward to traveling again and, uh, and getting out and about, especially for the summer. But um, I guess we'll just, uh, I'll like everyone else, I'll wait and... I'll wait for the for the trumpet to blow and, and have everyone uh, go out. I'm dying to get a haircut, I have to say. If there's one thing I'm, I'm going to do uh, first is, <laughs> is get a haircut. Oh, I'm sure there'll be a line. Yeah, I mean, a similar situation, but yeah. hope that both like the summer the haircut, it will come soon. Yes, thank <laughs> you. Me too. It will be great to learn about your path in CX and why you have selected this field. That's a great question. Um, I think I think the theme throughout all of my professional work has been um, service to others. And you know, I started my professional life in the military and did that for ten years until I entered IT services as a field services manager. I did uh, field service for a couple of years and then I moved into service sales. And uh, I was on a new solution team where we took the excess capacity of our worldwide services organization and we brought that to other equipment manufacturers who didn't have as big a resource to service their customers as, as, as we did. Uh, and then I, I got into managed services and help desk outsourcing and learned you know, a, a lot about the, the metrics and technology, layers of technology that go on in the service desk, help desk arena. And then I also worked in, in managed web hosting services during the dot-com years when uh, in the 90s when everybody built a business online uh, as sort of a new uh, dimension of doing business. And th- those, were, those were some great years. And then um, that ended pretty quickly, as we, as, we, as we know. And then I pivoted to professional services, uh, doing business development and consulting in the digital advisory world where uh, I mostly work with middle market SME companies and and uh, some enterprise large companies and did that for about 10 years. And uh, so then I had about a total of maybe 20 years in IT services and I decided I would do what I call my working sabbatical. And I went to work at Apple in a retail uh, environment. And I did that largely to really immerse myself in that customer experience. I wanted to know exactly how Apple culturally prepared their, their people for the very consistent and very high quality customer service that they delivered. I wanted to understand how they integrated their uh, online worlds with their brick and mortar worlds, with their um, uh, uh, other dimensions of service and branding. And I wanted to be a part of that and really just get as much out of that experience as I could, which was, it was an amazing experience. I, I can't say enough about it. 
And then, as you said in the introduction, I moved to uh, Ireland in 2018. And um, uh, it was uh, great to, to see that here in Ireland, the uh, customer experience profession is, is well established and well accepted as a business operation. And um, again, I, uh, as you said, I started my, my one-man CX consulting shop uh, and at the same time wrote my new book, which I, I just completed a manuscript for last week. And it's called uh, Customer Experience Management, a Field Manual. And uh, that's to be published later this year. So that, um, that brings me up to, to our conversation, which um, I have to say has been largely driven by this CX community here in Europe that, uh, that we actually uh, met. Yes, absolutely. It was quite a long journey for you and super interesting. And I think that many people within the six world miss exactly this piece about being firsthand on the floor, talking with customers as you did in Apple, for example. I think this was super, super important. It will be a great when you're done with the book and when it's officially released to set up another meeting and to have you here on our podcast. It will be awesome. Coming from the US, I was wondering... How different is CX in Europe versus the U.S.? That's a great question, uh, and it's a very complex question. You know, Europe is uh, roughly thirty, you know, separate company. Uh, I'm sorry, countries and cultures, and the U.S. is one country. But um, within the U.S., you know, there's quite a bit of uh, difference in you know cultural difference among. Say, I'm from the Northeast, and in, in the Boston area, uh, you've got Mid Atlantic and the South, and so forth. But I would say, from what I've observed here in Europe in the last year and a half, that, that in professional business terms, the Americans and the Europeans take on CX is, is very much the same. It's very much aligned with the, um, the understanding that how the customer experiences your brand in all of the touch points is critical to the, the success of your brand. And not just getting a customer, but getting a customer to buy again and getting the customer to refer other people to become customers. Where the differences exist, I think, are likely found in the individual cultural dimensions of serving customers. You know, so for the large multinational global brands that span dozens of countries, uh, folks like Porsche, Apple, Coca-Cola, everyone pretty much expects the same experience. You know, you go to a McDonald's in China as you would go to a McDonald's in Bulgaria, as you would go to a McDonald's in, in New York City, and you expect McDonald's. And, and you know, in my personal example, you know, I went to the Apple store in Belfast in Northern Ireland, and I felt right at home. It felt just like the experience of going to at the Apple store in, in Boston. So I think, I think you know, for those brands, there's a consistency that is part of the brand. And then for other, for other companies that aren't as global, but are more, you know, let's say, international or, or domestic, Customer experience is going to take on more of their cultural uh, imprint, and that's going to vary between one from one country to another. You mentioned that the market in Ireland it's very mature, like there are a lot of CX uh, professionals, and it's well established as a job. Uh, and you feel confident about the future of your practice as well? Yeah, I think. Well, Ireland is. Um, is I think a bit unique in that it is uh, for many global multinational brands that we what I mentioned before they have a, a, a European headquarters here. So you've got, for example, Facebook. You've got uh, HubSpot. Uh, Apple has a giant. I think it's their largest campus outside of the United States is in Cork, Ireland. Um, so 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 Ireland is 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 sort of uniquely positioned as um, uh, a European center for lots of global multinationals and their adoption of customer experience. 
And uh, but here in Dublin, you know, there are some some um, well-established consultancies in customer experience that are taking those concepts and those business principles and around customer experience to the domestic organizations that themselves have customer experience teams and uh, you know, really embrace the uh, concept of customer experience and have operationalized that. So if you look at uh, the Irish telcos, you look at the Irish insurance companies, you look at the Irish financial technology companies and others, you know, CX is is, is a part of, of how they operate. And I'm guessing, of course, when I say this, just to be clear, I think that some of it is just a, some of that adoption that comes from the fact that the bigger companies have embraced that and people are seeing that it is a very, very powerful dimension of business that uh, they've embraced and included in their own operation. How do you see the role of CX in terms of crisis and what you're seeing uh, also in Europe specifically? It would be interesting to learn your opinion. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great question. And I, I think I think there's two perspectives on this. In, in terms of response to crisis, there's an inside-out and an outside-in perspective. Uh, inside-out, I mean, uh, I think companies have discovered out of necessity that agility in their operations and empathy in their customer interactions is hugely important. So, for example, when you have um, the restrictions that we've been under and you have to now take your call center and make it uh, staff it remotely where people are working from home. There is some very, you know, rapid response, uh, technology and, and managerial moves that, that have been made. For example, here in Ireland, where working from home is the exception, not the norm. And, uh, you know, companies have had to work very, very quickly to adapt to that, that new reality. So, so from an inside out within the company outside, uh, operating outside with customers, that's huge. Um, but I also think that outside in that there's a lot of, uh, a sort of a rediscovery of the empathy and the humanity that goes along with doing business, particularly when you've got a crisis, a global crisis that has people, people are under an increased amount of anxiety. So, for example, there's insurance companies that sell travel insurance products. And you can imagine that, you know, when all the restrictions and travel and flight cancellations were taking place, these companies had a, an extraordinary workload placed on them in their call centers and their websites um, and even their agents in the field to to ask questions, lots of questions from lots of people all at the same time for the same reason. So, you know, having some empathy and building some infrastructure around that to get to people to respond to their questions and help them with their particular situations. I think those two dimensions pop out pretty quickly that responding quickly and to the realities imposed as a company, but also understanding that people are on a different emotional state and they need to be interacted with a little differently. And you're seeing that in the advertising and some of the other messaging that companies are publishing online and, you know, in their TV ads, where there is a sort of softness and empathy to, you know, these times as a, as a crisis. This is super interesting the way you put it out, like the inside out and the outside in perspective, and it makes a lot of sense. Do you think it's important also to measure both of these perspectives? And also, I'm interested to learn how do you think that you might show this empathy and really find the right emotional state for your messaging and branding in these times? I think, yes, it's important to measure. And I think as with anything, it's customer experience much of it is driven by what you measure and it could be sentiment it could be you know uh, uh 
shopping cart. It could be anything that you you is relevant to your business to measure. Um, but I think I think the best companies are evaluating their response as they respond. So they're doing something, they're measuring it, uh, is it working? And then they're, you know, sort of modifying what they're doing so that it is in step with what customers' expectations have become and that they are preparing for the future. So who knows what will happen when this crisis ends? There's a lot of predictions and so forth, but I think the best companies are handling the crisis and learning from the crisis as they go through it and not waiting for it to be over to then assess how did we do and what should we have done differently. I think that'll happen, but I think the best companies are learning and adjusting uh, and measuring on the fly. And I'm sorry, what was the second part of your question, Mamcha? The second part was around the different emotional state that you mentioned. They told that, that customers are in different emotional states, which also changes uh, often, I would say. So how can you make sure that you find the uh, empathy and humanity, the right tone of voice, to put it this way? Yeah, so I, I think the spectrum of human emotion that uh, people will affiliate with with a brand is going to vary quite a lot, actually, right? So when you think about trust, you want your trust is one of those sort of common themes you'll find between a, a consumer, for example, and, and a brand, whether it's food or consumer electronics or, or life insurance, you know, whatever it might be. But I think, um, I think, for example, there's a, there's a very public example with airlines and, you know, they're required to give refunds, but they're also offering customers certificates for future flights. But, you know, the, 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 the question that's hanging over a lot of airlines today during this crisis is, will they be in business in the future to be able to use those vouchers? In other words, if I take your voucher for some future travel on your airline, how do I know that that airline is going to exist and my voucher is going to be worth something? And so there's there's been some challenging dialogue between the airlines and their governments and their customers, uh, all because this pandemic has closed down travel. So it's very interesting to see what happens to brands in that particular context with regard to trust and um, and, and, and so forth. So yeah, it, it, I think it's going to depend on your industry. I think we're seeing, you know, for example, it's very interesting to see these enormous lines that are forming as McDonald's and other fast food restaurants open and people are just, you know, where they offer the drive through um, experience and you can practice social distancing and get a little bit of life as it used to be while you, you know, you wait in line for, for your McDonald's or, or, or whatever it might be. So it's really interesting to see um, people respond to brands the way they have been. And there's so many great success stories of uh, different brands showing empathy in these hard times. Oh, indeed. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, here in Ireland, there's been a, a whole new approach to doing TV commercials, TV ads, and uh, where there's, there's a softer tone. There's a um, uh, sort of the messaging of like, we understand and we feel your pain and those kinds of approaches to talking to the audience as opposed to selling you something. Now, it just seems like the shift has been um, we understand and we're here to help kind of messaging versus we want you to buy this from us. Right. Yeah. And we also find that you might not buy today, but later in the future, when you relate to our brands, probably will be a better time. Indeed. I think I think you're I think you're exactly right. I think there uh, 
the thinking has shifted to we need to preserve our brand. We need to re-identify with our mission, vision, and values as a brand and make sure that we're communicating with our customers, whether they're buying or not right now, that we are consistent. We are a company consistent with our, we operate consistent with our mission, vision, values. And you know, I see it very, very clearly uh, in the advertising on television, but I'm sure it shows up in lots of other ways. Absolutely, it does. Super interesting. Okay, and thinking about overall the CX field, what do you think that would be the impact on the CX business as you're also in this area? Do you think that many projects will be stopped on hold or initiatives discontinued or vice versa? Yeah, it's a great question. These are all great questions, by the way, Mumfield. Well done. Um, I think it's going to be a boon for customer experience professionals and projects related to customer experience. I think Uh, and I've seen a number of uh, uh, all kinds of examples where, for example, the call volume is, is, is spiked at call centers. And so they had to implement some customer experience kinds of solutions that were a combination of uh, people, process and technology to, to deal with, uh, you know, a, a huge increase and all of a sudden and huge increase in uh, customer call volume. And I think those projects were done quickly more quickly than they would normally have done been done uh, in the in the in the past in weeks instead of months and i think companies have learned that they're capable of that kind of agility that that the risk aversion that they normally would have uh, would have slowed down their implementation has been overcome in many cases and i think that vendors have um, done a great job in in many cases aligning themselves with the needs of their customer to help the end user customer. I think that there's been a uh, maybe a tighter alignment. Again, not going from selling you something so that you can use it to helping you help your customers in a, in a much quicker and um, a well-defined way. I think uh, back to your question around customer experience impact, I think it's become much clearer that the scope of a CX project needs to be clear. You need to be very clear about what you are trying to accomplish. And I think a lot of these um, very rapidly deployed projects have, have had that as part of their success was a very clearly defined uh, mandate uh, to, 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 to create a certain kind of impact, um, which is, I think, a big part of any project success is knowing how you want it to end up. So, yeah, I think there's probably, you know, dozens more. Um, but I think, you know, when, you, when you're able to rapidly deploy something with a, that makes a, a very quick business impact, I think that builds a lot of credibility as a CX With for CX as a, as a practice and for CX professionals as a as a as a partner in in, in business, um, so I would look I would look for more of that. I think I think the expectations are going to shift with the vendors as well, where um, they're going to look to partner more with customers, and customers are going to want more of a partnership with vendors that um, that help them really achieve at like a, a a much more carefully scoped kind of a project. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it's really easy, great to see how so many obstacles that were in front of uh, such quick implementations, they suddenly disappeared. All had to move to digital and to around technology. I was really very pleasantly surprised about even some public institutions, they really managed to start delivering digital services in only a few weeks' time. Yeah. Uh, projects they couldn't complete for, I don't know, ages prior to that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's great to see, but it also tells us that one of the biggest challenges customer experience professionals face is that sort of sociology, right? The inertia of people may not want to change, may not want to change at all, may not want to change so rapidly, may not want to change as much. 
and that um, you know, that's really the impediment to making great customer experience projects make a great impact is um, you know the, the people dimension of, of the work. And uh, for anyone doing the job, you understand you know how big a deal it is to to try to persuade and, and collaborate and, and bridge silos in an organization to get things done. I think this um, this pandemic period of time has created an opportunity to just quickly get past all those agendas and get the work done, which is which is very encouraging. And yeah, you mentioned that definitely that human is one of the key factors when it comes to making a CX impact, but what other factors would you list? Well, there's definitely an efficiency impact. I mean, I, 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 I always have seen customer experience as a business principle that um, it's great to want to look after your customers and meet expectations and all the rest. Um, and you absolutely, you know, it's essential to do that. You can't ignore, you know, what the customer is asking for. But you also have to make sure that the customer experience work is supporting the business. So, for example, if you're deploying, uh, let's say you're deploying a chatbot piece of technology to deflect calls from your call center, but at the same time, it's being well received by your customer who doesn't want to wait on the phone in the in the IVR and in the in the uh, in the queue and 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 all that. They want to just quickly ask their question and quickly get an answer. That's that's you know what they were looking for. There's a number of projects that have done. Uh, that kind of work that is very beneficial to the business in terms of cost savings, in terms of operational efficiency, in terms of supporting the customer the way the customer wants to be supported. So, yeah, I think I think um, that has to be really cornerstone component of, of customer experience is understanding the business impact. If we do this, how will the business benefit, not just the customer, but how will the business benefit? And oftentimes that's by you know removing friction, removing a step, streamlining things, making it uh you're removing friction uh those kinds of things and uh, six measures are very often uh, struggling with proving the um, return investment on different initiatives it might be more visible for some for example what you mentioned about the chatbot that will cut the number of calls so you might need uh, one agent less but for other initiatives which might not be with such a tangible impact what would you say what can they do about them well i think um you know, ROI is always a challenge, no matter you know what the context is for it. But my uh, advice and my experience has been that when you align yourself with the CFO or you know, your finance executive and your your data, you find someone who, who, to make an ally out of that is in the data component of your business and the finance component of your business, and define what ROI means and the formula to use to calculate ROI. And then use that, uh, the data and the the financial uh, definitions to use that as a as a layer in expressing your customer experience projects. So if I have a project I want to do, I feel like it's going to be very impactful. Work with the data folks, work with the finance folks to quantify that as much as possible. Because when you're making investments, people will expect a return on that investment, and it can't be some soft you know, um, barely measurable kind of idea. It, it, it really boils down to the business metric of, of finances to uh, make the clearest argument, maybe not the only argument, but certainly the clearest argument that this is a beneficial thing to do both for the business and for the customer. And I think that's, that's definitely a, a, an art and science kind of thing, but it's one of the biggest complaints I've heard from customer experience people is you know they've, they've gone to present their projects to get funding, for example, and it's been rejected because 
it was it, they didn't have enough data, didn't have enough, they didn't quantify it enough in business terms. And I would say that's that's um, an essential skill to to have, uh, particularly where big investments are, where you're going after a big investment like a like a new voice to customer platform that kind of thing. You should work together with the right stakeholders, have them on board as well as. Uh, if you can't do it, search for help someone to do it for you and to quantify it. Uh, yeah, have, have go there with the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, as we're reaching the end of our conversation, if you can provide only one advice uh, to the CX leaders, to our listeners, how to achieve bigger impact, what it would be. You already covered upon this slightly, but like only one thing. Only one thing. Wow, that's... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so... so um... There's a lot to say, uh, but the one thing I would choose to say, uh, if, you know, just for one thing, is that you know, that never forget that customer experience is a business principle, and the intention of that is to help customers remain as customers and recruit new customers. And I'll say it another way, which is never forget that the business of customer experience is to drive business. Obviously, providing excellent service and product experiences is essentially how we we do CX. But it's not the why. I think uh, the one thing I would I would say is, and it's going to sound probably oversimplified, but that is, um, you know, business is the why that we do CX. It's so so. It's important to keep the customer in mind, but also understand that the reason that's important uh, for a number of businesses that are for profit is is to uh, you know, generate more more customer uh, activity. So this was super helpful, and uh, thanks for sharing. Thanks for your time today. It was oh, a super you. interesting conversation. I appreciate it. And I hope that we'll have you again on our Six Impact podcast to present your new book when it's ready. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited about that. I, um, I would look forward to that uh, very much. Thank you. If you liked this episode, hit follow and visit gemseek.com to learn more. Let's make an impact on the world of CX together. Thank you for listening.